Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that user-friendly, all-in-one HR analytics dashboard, helping you get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process of what all you call HR reporting. That's right. We know most of you out there are pulling all these messy, crappy spreadsheets from all these different HR systems you're using, trying to get a comprehensive and data-driven view of your workforce, and always scratching your head thinking there must be a better way. Well, there is. That's why we created Employee Cycle, your very own HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. You simply connect your systems to the dashboard, and within minutes, you can view, share, and track all of your data in one place. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, get a demo. We would love to explore how we could partner and help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. Please help me welcome to the show, Ana Riccio. She's the SVP of Talent at SoFi. And today we're going to discuss how to know if you're hiring the best person. Ana, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Ana! Boom. Thank you, Bruce. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. Awesome. Well, Anna, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Oh my goodness, by dumb luck. Um, I just fell into it. And I have to say, I'm just one of those lucky people that when I graduated from college, I had no plan I really had no idea what I was going to do, and I fell into uh, recruiting, and I loved it, and I can't imagine doing anything other than this. I've been doing this for, I think, oh, God, I don't even know how long now. It's just, let's just say it's been a while, and uh, it's it's my passion. It's I, I love the whole talent uh, ecosystem, and I'm just one of those silly, lucky people that fell into something fantastic um, from the very beginning. Well, on behalf of the HR recruiting and people ops community, I'm just going to say thank you for falling into it because I know we're better off having you in the community. So, so glad you're here. That is sweet. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So today we're talking about how to know if you're hiring the best person. And so before we get into how to confirm it's the best person, I would love for you to help us figure out what does the best person mean? Because the way that I'm thinking about this is similar to when you're dating. Mm-hmm. People are always saying, do you believe in soulmates? Or do you believe that over time, there's probably multiple people that you probably could settle down with, probably could deal with, put up with different variables. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, There are people who believe that they're soulmates and there's just one person. And so I'm curious, what does best person mean when we're talking about recruiting and hiring? Oh, man, that's an awesome question. And I'd love the metaphor. So it really is, it really correlates back to who are the people, what are the profiles that are best in your environment? Who are the people who are thriving? Who are the people who are innovating for you? Who are the people who are your talent magnets? And so it is going to vary by organization, right? There isn't going to be a, a one. 
So this is an, an opportunity to really start to develop, you know, what, what are the variables that lead to a successful person? And how do you start to unpeel that and understand and, and assess that in your organization? Once you have a good sense of what great looks like in your organization, then you can start to hone in on that profile. And then we can get into what, what that means and what that looks like. But then that's how you start to develop efficiencies and ultimately how you measure quality of hire. So there's so many variables around what you said in regards to figuring out what's best for your organization. Best could be how much you're willing and able to pay, especially in this crazy labor workforce that we're dealing with now with increased pay rates. Best could be where you are in the stage. So maybe you don't need the most senior person because you're an early stage company versus a very specialized role. What are some of the variables that HR people, leaders, recruiters should be thinking about as they are figuring out what best means to them? Yeah. 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 So that's a great question. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you two different examples. And both of these examples are, are real examples that I've used at either my current environment or at former environments, but, uh, but, but they're real. I'm not making these up. So one of them is around sales. And I've been in environments where I've been told, and my, my, my team has come to me and said, Hey, Anna, like these executives, all they want to do is they want to hire people from these two marquee name companies. It's these two marquee name companies that they want to hire from. And, you know, we're confident that we could bring them great people who you know, have worked in other places, but, they, but they're not open to it. There's just this inherent bias in the organization. So help us, you know, you know, broaden the aperture. You, God knows you, we've all heard that, you know, in HR a hundred times. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that, I wouldn't need stock options. But so anyways, um, and I would say like, well, gee, like, I don't know. Like, how do you know they're not right? Like, like, may, like maybe those are the two companies, you know, that yield the best hires for our organization. So it really then means let's do some analysis. Let's take a look at the highest performing individuals, you know, in the organization. And let's really start to hone in on what does that mean? Is it attainment? Is it attainment just one quarter? Is it attainment over a period of time? Um, in sales, is it uh, the ability to land a particular account and then to grow that account within that same account? Um, and so we we really honed in on some of the factors that I just mentioned and started to assess like these individuals, like, you know, like what what made them really strong performers and what we learned in a sales environment, which was actually fascinating, was that of the top 100 across the globe that only 30% of them, only 30, it was actually, it was like, it was like 28% to be honest, 28 of them actually came from those two marquee name companies that I just mentioned. You know, the, the other 72 had come from an assortment of, of, of environments. And the number one variable that led to an individual being successful in, in that environment was pace. It was an individual who came from a monthly quota system versus a quarterly or a yearly quota system. So there were specific actions that had to occur literally every day, every week in order to keep pace to hit that monthly quota. The second thing was um, individuals who had been heavy users of that type of technology. They didn't necessarily have to have sold it, but they had to be heavy, heavy users, be really innately you know, involved and really understood the inner workings. Then the third was it all had come from an environment where they had been exposed to solution training. 
And, you know, it's a, it's a type of, of just basically approach. Um, and so what that did is once we understood, you know, what this profile was, we were able to build out really specific competencies that assessed for those specific attributes. Now, I got to be honest with you. When I came up with this, you know, I, I felt like I had discovered like, you know, like a planet. Like I thought it was, I was like, like a, amazing. They should like throw a parade for me. And of course, nobody was like following. Nobody was like, oh, let's do it your way. You know, of course not. They still were like, that's great. Go find me people from these two companies. So we had to like find, you know, champions in the organization that were willing to, to try this, this approach, you know, these competencies you know, try them out with us. And of course, once we did that, you know, they were writing folk songs about it. You know, they, 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 these, they were hiring faster. We were able to hire better. We were able to create enablement. So when people started at the company, we were able to fortify them with that solution selling that I mentioned to make sure that they were hitting these specific uh, milestones, you know, daily, weekly that were leading to that monthly attainment. So we were able to offer support which of course broadened the aperture, right? So those were some things that we did on the sales side, on the engineering side, very similar. Like we had to really hone in and some of the things that we honed in on were really, it was like the, the quality of code, you know, and that was measured by system design, by the logic of the code, by the ease of maintenance, by the scalability. And so those, those are became the competencies, you know, on the engineering side that we, absolutely honed in on and then we brought in that of course to communication adaptability pace and ambiguity or some of the other variables but once we have that as a baseline you could train against it and then you can measure against which i can tell you a little bit about now as well but but that, that is how we started to really align and define on what does great look like in our environment and just getting everybody to agree that that's what we're looking for beyond the job description this is how we're going to assess because people write all fancy things in their job description that nobody ends up reading. You know, they literally want like the Messiah. And, and at the end of the day, like, like when you're like, oh, dude, you're not even qualified to do this job, you know? So it's like, how are we going to assess for what great looks like? How are we going to agree that when we have a superstar on our hands, what that looks like? And, and that's, that's what some of this, this work here does. For me, it's all about that assessment. And there's tools out there now and in full disclosure, um, you know, I'm on a board of a company called Criteria that actually has automated a lot of this work. This is all the work that I've done in, in, in my past manually, which is really hard. But now, you know, you can take, you know, an assessment tool and it tells you who your top, you, know, you can have your top people in the organization assessed against these tools. And then it basically tells you empirically, you know, these are the attributes. And then that really, again, drives huge efficiency in your, in, in how, how you recruit and in, in, and, um, and, and how, how you operationalize um, your, your recruiting mechanics. Pause there. Anna, this is all so interesting. And, you know, as soon as you started talking about data, I had to jump in because that's what we're all about here at Employee Cycle. So you mentioned doing this analysis to understand which variables, what parts of this persona or role has been the most successful. And so I have two questions there. One, do you think it's always the best practice to use past performance to project future performance. And the second part I have there is who did the analysis? Because I, I could see a lot of HR leaders thinking, how am I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So let me go, who did the analysis? Um, it was really the business, the business, 
Um, I did have an awesome intern who was a genius. And then um, I worked with individuals um, at the corporate level. At, at, I've done this at three companies who you know, had data analytics. I think that this is not something that recruiting can keep, you know, sort of like under the vest. Like we have to be able to go to the business and say, you know, we, we want to scale. We want to make sure that we're hiring great people and we need your help in really leaning in with us and coming up with a solution like on how do we start to go faster? How do we make sure that we're measuring quality of hire? Um, and then like, again, what, what does that great look like? And then how do we support people to become great in our environments? So this is something that we had to lean in on with the business, you know, lock arms and, and get in there together. And it was hard. I mean, you can't even get like 10 people to agree on what restaurant to go to. Imagine trying to get, you know, a hundred people across the globe to agree that these are, you know, the success attributes to a given, um, to, to, to a given role. So Kind of going now back into your your second question is you know you have to agree on what great looks like in your organization um, because you have to have a baseline. Now I'm not saying that that's like a hard and fast rule, but you have to you know if if you if you know that these ten people are fantastic because you appreciate their ability to make an impact to um, hit and deliver goals, you know that they. Um, that they, 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 they have a way, you know, that is bringing you these successful deliverables. You might find, you might think that it's because they went to a particular school or that they went, they, they worked at a, at a particular company. You're going to find that that's not the case. Um, for the most part, what makes those people successful, it's the how, right? It's, it's their approach. Um, it's their pace. You know, it's their, um, it's their methodology. It's their communication. And so that's what we want to assess for so that we can make sure, and that's what you want to automate and what you want to operationalize, right? You know, that, 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 that's, that's, that's the golden nugget. And again, there's tools out there that you could use, like criteria that do that for you, or you could try to go ahead and try to do it yourself if you, if you could get the business to, to really lean in and to um, give you some resources and some analytics there. But uh, once you have that, that that baseline, it really does. I mean, I think it opens up the door to the holy grail, which is how do I start to measure quality of hire and make sure I'm giving people the support to be successful and to hone in and refine their skills once, once they get to our environment. Anna, you've mentioned quality of hire a few times, and we always like to make sure that we are breaking down any acronym or term that HR leaders have not heard before? Because we know in HR, we love our, our terms and our buzzwords. And so what does quality of hire mean? For me, quality of hire is an individual that is, and that's a great question, by the way, Bruce, is it's an individual that is successful in your environment. And so the way I assess for this, as I mentioned to you that I built competencies on the sales side for, for AE roles in engineering, I mentioned some of the competencies that we use on the engineering side. Is And then, of course, we have questions, right, that assess and then we train people on what is the right answer so they know how to evaluate an individual so they know what you know, a, good question, a good response sounds like. And then we basically say, all right, so we've hired this person and now we have a, we, we, we've assessed them. When they come in, everybody gets assessed the same way. We, we, have a, we have a sense of their strengths, right? They've obviously been proficient in these areas, but, you know, some areas that maybe they weren't as strong. We can offer them enablement and, and learning and development and training and support. 
And then six months later, right, when they've been in your environment, we can send that same assessment back to the hiring manager that says, hey, you hired Bruce, you know, last November. We're sitting here in May now. This is what you assessed him against. Tell me, how is Bruce doing against these success competencies against the role? And, you know, we don't, we, and then the managers will assess again against this criteria. And sometimes it's an early detection. Sometimes we'll have managers say, you know what? You know, Bruce isn't cutting it. It's a turkey. You know, like he's not as strong <laughs> in these areas as we thought. But overwhelmingly, what I, and I've done this at three different companies now, that 80% of the time, actually it's higher, um, but that's been the kind of the average, they will say Bruce is doing great against these competencies. Like he's, 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 he's rocking it. He's like kicking butt. And, and you know, again, we're, we're, we're continuously iterating on this because you're, because your group, you know, your organization does change as well. But once I know somebody's doing great after six months from a recruiting perspective, you're like, okay, I've hired, I've hired somebody who is successful in this environment. You know, now these individuals may not ultimately fly because other variables, maybe they're, maybe their managers are Turkey. Maybe they're not getting you know support after that six months, but from a recruiting perspective, we have a, we could say with good assurance, you know, that after those six months that we brought somebody into the organization that met the criteria that was flourishing and was super well-received. More importantly, for any individual that, you know, that, that is flagged as, as struggling, we can intervene quickly and figure out what's going on there and then make sure that they're getting the support so that we're mitigating, you know, uh, any, any, any attrition or um, helping that person, again, um, ultimately, you know, f- find, find that, 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 that even ground and be successful. Anna, I could talk to you all day about this because it's the thing that everybody wants to know right now. But we have time for one more question. You said a lot today. You dropped a lot of gems of wisdom, and I really wish I could ask you a lot more. But because you did provide so much information, and I can just see the wheels turning in so many HR leaders who are listening, if there's one thing that you absolutely positively want them to remember from all the things that you said today, what would that one thing be? Oh, man. Wow, that's a that's a big question. Um, I would want them to start small. So start small. You don't need to boil the ocean. You don't need to like you know have hot you know bring lawyers guns and money here. What you need to do is you need to find you know a couple of um, a, one talent segment that you want to hone in on and start with one and really start to ask you know um, and 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 analyze. Who are the the, you know, the top people doing that that work? And again, just start with one. You don't have to do all engineers. Just do one type of engineer or one type of salesperson, and really start to like like do interviews with those those people who I can identify. As I say, there's top twenty. I, I interview them. Um, try to try to really understand. You know what is it about their background and their behavior that makes them great. And once you start small, you can, it's, it's pretty illuminating. You're going to learn a ton and then you'll be able to, to evolve that in your organization by again, building out those competencies. And then, like I mentioned to you earlier, not everybody was like thrilled by my findings. Um, so then I had to then kind of do what I, I had to see, you know, like, like Harvard, like a Harvard business case. I had to go in and say, like, Hey, is this going to work? And then 
test it into your model and iterate and learn and adjust um, until you see that you are hiring more effectively and then going back that six months to measure um, is, is this really yielding you know, a stronger contributor six months down the line. Anna, thank you so much for allowing us to hear all of your wisdom and experience over all the years and companies that you've been working within. So thank you so much for being such an awesome, awesome, awesome podcast guest. Woo! Go, Anna! Uh, Bruce, you make it easy. Thank you. I've had so much fun today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love your energy. Awesome. Same here. So, Anna, where can people find you and SoFi online? Where can they find me? You can find me at, uh, at should I give you my email? I'm at uh, aresio at uh, sofi.org or uh, send me a LinkedIn. I'm super responsive and I'm happy to talk to anybody. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone that enjoyed this episode as much as Anna and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating to show that you liked the episode and you got a lot of information out of it. Also, if you came to this episode because you either are already a huge super fan of Anna and you just had to hear what she was going to say, or you came here because you thought the topic was really compelling, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.